Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. There's so many books out there, but so little time to read them. And how can you find all the best stuff? Backlisted takes forgotten and neglected books that are chosen by a guest and talks about them, reading extracts, putting them into context, basically giving them new life for a modern reader. It's a bit like a clever book club where everyone does all the reading. The show's hosted by Andy Miller, who chronicled his quest to read 50 great books in The Year of Reading Dangerously, and by the publisher and author John Mitchinson, who spent lots of time here in New Zealand growing up. I'll speak to John in just a moment about how they make the podcast and how it's getting people to read and buy more books. First, though, I want to play you a bit, and this is from the episode about Angus Wilson, where guest Dickon Edwards joins Andy and John to talk about the novel Hemlock and After. I think he's talking in the 1960s here, talking about Hemlock and After, and he's talking about how he came to write the book. I was still at the British Museum, and I was, I was by this time in the reading room, which I liked very much. I was the deputy there, and I dealt with all the scholars and their work and so on. And I wanted to write a, a novel. The theme was in my mind greatly. Like all my novels, it was about somebody going back and wondering why their life had gone wrong. And... Uh, I found that I had to write that in four weeks of holiday. We had four weeks holiday and I wrote it in four weeks. And although I think it's not a bad novel, it's rather truncated. It's rather, you know, it's like a baby that isn't quite properly born. And I felt something was going wrong. And I knew also that my work in the museum would grow as I was getting more senior there. And I really thought I've got to choose. It was a hard job because I had no pension, you see. If you're a civil servant, there's no contribution, so you get no pension. And I was then 40... Five, I suppose, I think so, 1955, no, I was 43, and I uh, resigned. <laughs> and I had £300 in the world. I often wonder how I dared to do it. I went down to a cottage in the country. I'd never lived like that. We had outside loo and everything. However, it, it, luckily it was a very hot summer and I wrote out of doors. And I always try to write out of doors. I like writing out of doors. I don't feel claustrophobic. That's why I write abroad a lot now. I go in the winter and go to hot places and write. And uh, I wanted also to write a play. It was eventually put on the stage called The Mulberry Bush. And it was, this I saw would take me a long time. And what happened was that the play was a failure, but I then wrote a novel called Anglo-Saxon Attitudes at the same time, which, which was, was a great, great success. success. So it was all right. It turned out Cinderella's story, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know that's a long clip, so, but it's so wonderful. We, I mean, and it's not sped up. No, no, no. He, that's that's how you talk. I thought I was talking past now. No, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. High-pitched, high very fast, very short. Uh, immensely extraordinary hair. Everybody says, yes. you know, from from his early. From his <laughs> Mine's going in that way, actually. Yeah, that's just me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, we we we've 
we will talk about Hemlock and the plot, but just to say the life, his life is, it's um, a beautifully written life by Margaret Drabble, it is the good. biography, it is which good. is, uh, it seems insanely large. Rachel said to me this morning, my God, how, why is it so big? I said, because, I mean, he lived. The man had an extraordinary life, I think. Codebreaker? Yes. That, that alone is interesting. Well, let's let's just give you the, the plotted the, biography. Yeah. Angus Wilson was born in Bexhill on Sea in 1913. Uh, part of his childhood was spent in South Africa and he was then educated at his brother's school in Sussex, Westminster School, then he went to Oxford. Uh, he joined the staff of the British Museum Library in 1937 and he rose uh, to become superintendent of the British title. Museum Reading Room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the Second World War came, he helped towards the safe storage of the British Museum treasures before serving the rest of the war in naval intelligence which even in 1991, when this was written, you couldn't say where that was. No. Bletchley Park. He yeah. was at Bletchley Park with Alan Turing. He was a great friend of Alan Turing's. Um, they didn't meet and, at the time because there's about 10,000 people employed by yeah. Bletchley Park. They met afterwards, uh, yeah. so mutual friends. And then, and there's a ridiculous story about him at Bletchley Park that he would take all his clothes off and run around the lake. No, nobody's been able to verify that. And then after the war, he has a... I mean, Bletchley Park, as I've said, we were talking about that story Christmas Day in the workhouse. Yes. It comes over the bureau. as the most awful place to have to live and work. The pressure and the bitching and the... Anyway, he, he, so he has a, a period of depression and a near breakdown after the end of the Second World War, and it's in this period that he starts to write short stories, the first collection of which, The Wrong Set, is published in 1949... What is the fascinating thing about the wrong set? There are two fascinating things about it. Do you know what they are? Go on. It's discovered by Sonia oh. Orwell. <coughs> yes. Oh, yes. Who yes. gives it to Cyril Connolly. Who gives it to Cyril Horizon. Connolly. Yes. The second thing is he writes the eight stories. I think there's eight stories, eight or nine stories in weekends. eight or nine weekends. Yeah. Emerges fully for voices fully formed. Mm -hmm. Short stories don't sell. Except these. Yeah. <laughs> they become a best-selling volume a of short stories. It was. And... Uh, and really, I mean, amazing reviews. Even the people like C.P. Snow, who didn't like it. So you got that wonderful <coughs> what, description. C.P. Snow. Yeah. Part bizarre, part macabre, part savage, part maudlin. There is nothing much like it upon the contemporary scene. It is rather as though a man of acute sensibility felt left out of the human party and was surveying it, half enviously, half contemptuously, from the corner of the room, determined to strip off the comfortable pretenses and show that this party is pretty horrifying after all. Sometimes the effect is too mad to be pleasant, sometimes most moving. No one could deny Mr Wilson's gift. Mm. Now, the wonderful thing about the stories are he then writes a second volume of short stories called Such Darling Dodos, and then, as you've just heard him talking about, he writes Hemlock and After. And Hemlock and After is recognisably an expansion on the type of characters you meet in the short stories, as then, in turn, Anglo-Saxon Attitudes, his next novel, is an expansion, it seems the, to me, on Hemlock and After. The, the, yeah, the title story of Such Darling Dodos mm. is almost, you almost feel it's in embryo, the the novels what you feel is into this tiny story there's a whole novel totally realized characters generational conflict very very funny but also very vicious some of backlisted's episode 85 devoted to angus wilson's hemlock and after the show's presented by andy miller and john mitchinson who we heard just then and john told me what the podcast aims to do i guess it came out of a sort of perception 
generally that in the publishing industry, all the attention, energy uh, and, and marketing dollars gets uh, funneled into new books. And yet, paradoxically, when you're sitting around with friends late at night talking about the books that have really moved you and changed you, or, or you're talking with authors about the books that have helped form them, it's almost always old books, you know, classics or books, strange books that have all have fallen between all the stools. So Andy and I, I suppose, independently, when we sat down and said, do you think there's an idea for a, for a podcast on this? And we sat down and we each made a list of those books that we thought would be brilliant to talk about. And we decided that for it not to, you know, quickly descend into just two middle-aged blokes <laughs> raving about the things they loved that the that what we needed to do was to, to to find guests and get them to to recommend and, and rather optimistically we said you know what this will be easy because we, we're pretty well read we'll probably have read all the books that people recommend i think i have read fewer than a third previously had read fewer than a third we now we're now on our 95th episode so um, it's been a hell of a lot of, I mean, it's been amazing. That's one of the thing, unexpected things about it is for both of us who are, you know, booksellers, publishers, writers, to have discovered all these extraordinary books that people have sort of tucked away and, and wanted to talk about. So it started with that very simple idea, finding old, interesting books and getting guests on and then us re both reading them. And then we have a, it's a, you know, the show normally lasts about an hour. And the meat of that discussion is about that book. And then at the top of the show, Andy and I both, we ask each other what we've been reading that week. So that can be more contemporary stuff. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. We have, I think, nicely complementary tastes. We come out of the culture of the writing, publishing, bookselling culture. And we were both booksellers for Waterstones back in the late 80s, early 90s. And we used to, we wanted to sort of recapture some of the enthusiasm that we would have in the staff room conversations. So... It's not a it's not a lit crit show. It's not academics talking about literature in an academic way. It's a sort of it's it's a it's a show really for readers and for sharing passions and enthusiasms. It's it's been it's been I have to say for me the most joyous thing I've ever done. I think I, I haven't enjoyed anything as much as the podcast. So the term backlisted, I feel like I've heard it before, and I feel like it's a, a book that's maybe gone out of print and it is in a catalogue available. What what does that mean? It's a publishing term. Publishers have a front list, which is the new books that they're selling, and then they have a back list, which is the old, you know, the kind of the books that, that sell year in, year out. So that was where it came from. It, is the, it was from the back list that, that we were going to be choosing these books, not from the front list. And it, I guess it was a kind of a slight, a, a slight play on blacklisted as well. And, the, and the, the, the logo for the podcast is a sort of a library stamp. And it, I think that, that idea of, you know, these dusty books that have been hidden on shelves, unremarked on, uh, you know, get taken down and read and you suddenly realise there are these amazing writers that are every bit as relevant. Not all of them, but I think that's been the great discovery. You know, when you discover a, a writer like Angus Wilson, who I kind of vaguely was aware of, but, you know, the first openly gay novelist writing the, in the 50s and 60s and reading his work now, it's just kind of, it's extraordinarily powerful and relevant and I, I guess that's the the whole Virago experiment was doing that going back and finding all these amazing amazing women writers who for one reason or another had fallen out of print or were languishing you know in, in in dusty libraries and they they brought them back into into circulation so 
that's that's where the that's where the the, the title comes from. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix of of authors you've got because I think when I first started listening, I I tended to gravitate perhaps towards the names I'd heard, you know, Bruce Chatwin yeah. or Daniel Defoe. Yeah. But the more I listened, I mean, I'd start listening to other writers I I certainly wouldn't have heard of at all. And yeah, you found all these kind of like hidden and unexpected gems in there, which actually just made me want to go off and, and read the books you were talking about, which I guess at some level has to be the aim, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Andy and I both were, we, I suppose we both, uh, our happy early days were as booksellers. And I think, you know, both, we've both been publishers, uh, both been writers as well. I think wanting to send people towards good stuff is is pretty deeply ingrained. And I, I think, you know, if people, when people say to me, I've we get a lot of um, on social media people saying, "Oh, you know, here's a pile of my books that I've my to be read pile, heavily influenced by Backlisted, or Backlisted is costing me a fortune." You know, I, I feel that that's us doing our job well. <laughs> I was listening to one episode, and I think it was the Elizabeth Jenkins one about the tortoise yeah. and the hare, where there were some remarks up front, which I think Foils, which is the famous London bookshop that, that people yeah. here might have gone to visit if they ever went to London, they're saying that there's, in a very real sense, the books that you're featuring on the show are translating into sales of that title. Yeah, quite a few bookshops have got backlisted tables now, which is, you know, really, it's really, it's really exciting for us because obviously it's exactly what you want is for people to go and discover this stuff. And I, I guess it's that feeling... You know, we record it around the kitchen table at, at Unbound in, in our office just on the canal in Islington. And, you know, a lot of people say it feels like, and this is something where I think podcasts are, have an edge over radio. They are inclusive. You're allowed to laugh. You know, it, you people, it feels like a really great, like a, a, a book club discussion around a table. People who are in, informed and, you know, know what they're talking about but are also inclusive and, and sharing enthusiasm. And I guess the conversation and the discussion can go as long as it, as it needs to as well. You're not subject to that, oh, you know, you've got two minutes, right, sum it all up now. We were called weirdly meandering in the Times last week, which we took as a map. <laughs> <laughs> and I think kind of we find our way to the end. I mean, it's, there's never a problem with having too little to say, let's put it that way. Generally, you know, the guests on Backlist, if we've just recorded, I think a really, really wonderful episode with Preeti Taneja, who wrote the book We That Are Young. It's a sort of modern Indian retelling of, uh, set in, in modern India, retelling of King Lear. And she won the uh, prize, debut prize in, in the UK for that book. It's a brilliant book. But she, she talked about Toni Morrison's Beloved. And we often say that if we could record another hour of the conversation in the pub afterwards, you know, you'd, we'd get two podcasts for the, for the price of one because there's always so much more to say. We do have some basic structural points. We have the what have you been reading top of the show. We have the reading the blurb. We have excerpts. We always ask our guests, when did you first you know, encounter this book? What were you doing? Where, where were you in your life? But the rest of it is kept intentionally loose because I think that's the way that discussions about books tend to go you know you one person sparks up another person we're not trying to tie up the the ends neatly we're, we're just really trying to get capture that energy that that you get when you're, you're talking about things that you you really really love have you got any books that you are you know kind of dream books dream guests if you like that you you really do want to feature and you're just trying to work out when yeah well we we have you know we'd love to do philip pullman We'd love to have Hilary Mantel on as a guest. 
We'd done a Hilary Mantel novel. We did her brilliant novel, Beyond Black. And there are still, there are so many books we still uh, haven't done. One of those, is a, which has come up several times in other, uh, other contexts, is Russell Hogan's brilliant novel, Ridley Walker, which is a sort of post-apocalyptic novel that was published in the early 80s. Another is the brilliant book by William Golding, The Inheritors, about a Neanderthal community, their first contact with Homo sapiens, which is one of, I think, one of the most beautiful and powerful novels in English. And we still haven't quite... So we've got things that we want to do, but the, the rules are that it's the guest that has to choose the book. <laughs> so the list of potential novels is very, very long. And it's not just novels. You know, we do do non-fiction. Some of the best podcasts, I think the recent one we did on Peter Goralnik's brilliant, massive biography of uh, two-volume biography of Elvis was one of the best, most enjoyable and interesting podcasts we've done. I was listening to the podcast and listening to you and Andy talking about books and what you're reading at the moment and what you want to read. And I, I was struck by thinking, God, how much do you guys read and how do you manage it? How do you find time with, with all the other stuff you've got on? Because you, you're working for a platform you've mentioned a few times, Unbound, which my understanding is that's a kind of crowdfunding site for books that people want to, to, to read and they must get together and provide the funding for, for those books to be published but how, how do you find time to to do all this reading have you got a long commute or something or what, what how do you do it I, well I, I do have a long commute i do I travel two hours to, to and from um, four days a week and i also i guess i just you know i wake up early in the mornings and i read i think andy's got a very he's andy's in, i mean andy really is extraordinary i mean he gets through a shockingly large pile of books which he puts on twitter every month and he's just writing a piece about it because he gets obviously lots of people are incredibly impressed and supportive but he does get quite a lot of he was trolled by a sky news presenter on twitter a couple of weeks ago saying you know do you have a life do you have a family and actually the the truth is that we we both do that but reading is something that we really really love and we really you know have to say we're both quite we're good at it we know it's 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 it it feeds into you know Rachel my wife is is an editor a brilliant editor as well we you know it's it doesn't feel unnatural it doesn't feel like you're sort of it's never a chore and the nice thing about the podcast I mean sometimes obviously if you're reading you're having to read submissions as I have to do still with Unbound there are you know there's an element of kind of you know grimly working your way through something just to see whether it's good enough to publish or not but generally the stuff that you're reading for the podcast is you know who wouldn't want to sit down and read every Penelope Fitzgerald novel I mean it's it, that is that is you know that is just paradise so the the answer is you know it's it, it, there are there's some there is some time pressure but you you know if you Andy's rule is if you read 50 pages a day it's amazing what you'll get through 50 pages a day it's amazing how much you'll read and you don't even know you don't even notice that until you sort of sit back at the end of the month and you think my god yeah i've actually have got through a lot this month john mitchinson one of the hosts of backlisted you're listening to the podcast hour on rnz national botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com.